We have a guest on the line with us this morning. It is Katie Voziolis, who is the Director of Health Services for the Haverhill Public School System. And Katie, welcome back to The Wave 97.9 WHAV-FM. Good morning, Wynn. Thank you for having me on again. It's my pleasure to have you on um, because, you, gosh, you are... uh, you are, uh, I guess, a central action for for what's going on. Uh, when now, when you were on the last time, uh, you were talking about all the uh, things that the uh, that the schools are trying to do to keep in touch with the students uh, during this outbreak. And and um, how's that going? It's actually going very very well. The uh, you know the school nurses are well integrated into the school teams, and we've put together a number of mechanisms for. Uh, you know, the school teams, including, you know, the teachers, school adjustment counselors, nurses, you know, special ed support people, administration, um, our parent liaisons for English language learners, et cetera, to really make sure we stay connected with all of these families. And, and certainly the nurses are having a heavier focus on those children with more complicated medical needs and trying to help parents resolve issues they may be having. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of being a support for them, um, a chance to sort of vent a little bit for parents. Um, and then further, you know, as we start have started to see more families affected by COVID-19 and being home, um, many of those families are reporting that information out through the school, through their principal or teacher. And, again, I think the nurses are well positioned to support those families and provide some guidance to them um, and help clarify some of the sort of complicated um, rules about um, isolation and quarantine. So, so far, so good, going well. Now, uh, is there any uh, a common uh, question that comes up about the uh, the isolation and the quarantine that, that they keep answering? Uh, I think that um, we are really trying very hard to sort of reinforce and mimic what Mary Connolly is saying to families and what the school nurses that are supporting Mary Connolly and making those um, case tracing phone calls, um, and that is, you know, the absolute importance of, you know, if you have somebody who's tested positive in the household and the others are with you, your children or your your spouse or your parents, um, to make every effort to try to um, physically distance in the home as to the best of your ability, uh, and, you know, frequent hand washing and, and, you know, not sharing items and those kinds of things. Uh, and for those who become uh, affected with the COVID-19 or become symptomatic, um, hydration probably is one of the things that's the most important. Um, for many of us, uh, you sort of lose that sense of taste and smell and you just don't feel well and you're less likely to to take in fluids, particularly water or maybe something like Gatorade. So we're really trying to encourage and, and push that as well. Um, you know, and I think the other point to be made is that, you know, as as we evolve through this process, you know, they not necessarily everybody's being tested as they become symptomatic. Um, you know, so the first person gets tested and they're positive and then the family members say that are quarantined as they become symptomatic. Um, they're often considered presumed cases and they follow the same rules as somebody who is isolated um, and it tests positive. But they, you know, they, it's really more of a self-managed. So it's really encouraging and reinforcing and, you know, reinforcing that information. 
And we're talking with Katie Bosiola. She's the uh, Director of Nursing for the Haverhill Public School System, uh, Nursing and Health Services. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about uh, losing sense of taste. I was talking with somebody last week, and they uh, didn't know. This was, uh, they, they had these symptoms uh, before all this stuff started to happen, but she is convinced that she may have had it uh, a few weeks back. And uh, because she and, and she's uh, she's a chef and she couldn't taste anything and she didn't like that at all. Yeah. So this is such a this is such an important conversation for us to have when the you know, this virus, this novel virus that we're still getting to know presents itself in many different ways in different people. And, um, you know, as you know, as we roll back the clock here a few weeks from the one I met with you and, and the day that I became symptomatic and later tested positive for COVID-19, you know, my symptoms were really gastrointestinal and headache. Uh, and I really didn't have any of the respiratory symptoms till several days into this process. Um, you know, other individuals are just having things like um, the loss of um you know, taste and or smell or maybe headache. And I think it's important for people to recognize that, that and pretty much any symptom you're having that's really unusual for you is just something to be cognizant that it could be COVID-19 and you should just stay home and physically isolate from others. Um, and they do seem to evolve and change over time. Um, we're starting to see some people who are developing a rash, um, you know, some have nausea and vomiting. Uh, and then, of course, many do have the respiratory components, the cough, the burning of the lungs, and maybe the fever. Um, but it really varies by the individual. Uh, and again, sometimes the symptoms seem very mild, but we, we ask that everybody take all symptoms seriously and just consider that it could be COVID-19 and you may not, not be tested and it's better just to stay home and protect, you know, others around you. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically what she did, and she didn't mention that she did have a cough. She she said her cough lasted for like a a day and a half. Now, uh, yes, uh, now you brought up the fact that uh, you know you tested positive for COVID nineteen as well, and um, so when you did this happen for you, the uh, your symptoms uh, all of a sudden, or did you feel something coming on? So. Um I didn't feel probably 100% the night before, um, but again, it wasn't, you know, it, it, I just didn't quite, I wasn't really thinking about it, and then got up in the morning and felt fine, I <laughs> met with you, um, went to work, and then started to not feel well, and I just had this sort of sinking suspicion that something wasn't right, and I should just go home, and um, and that is what I did. I left midday on that, that Tuesday. Um, and um, Dr. Maddox, our school physician, and um, you know, certainly who I work with very, very closely, was actually the one who really encouraged me to get tested. And, uh, you know, I really had to do a cell job on my primary care to get her to even consider testing me because I didn't really qualify by the standards that were being posted at that point. You know, I, fever, cough, shortness of breath, I had none of those, um, though I had um, developed a, a little bit of a sore throat. So nobody was more surprised than she when I tested and I my results came back the next day and I was positive. So, um, yeah, so I said, I you know, I'm a healthcare provider. I think I just had that sort of thinking, sneaking suspicion something wasn't right. And it was a stomachache like I hadn't had before and a headache that was sort of weird and unusual. And, and that was sort of what, you know, 
convinced me that maybe something, you know, that I needed to be careful. Wow, how about that? And and the uh, and then the um, the the teamwork uh, went into action. Like uh, uh, for me, uh, well, I was notified first that that you had tested positive, and then uh, then I heard from Mary Conley, the Haverhill City nurse, and then uh, I don't happen to live in Haverhill, and I heard from the uh, city nurse from uh, from where I live, and uh, right. yeah, everybody was. Uh, Trying to keep up with me and just uh, to see how how I was. Now, when you tested positive, uh, I know some people are going out and, and grocery shopping. In fact, I was number thirty-one of the grocery store yesterday. But uh, the uh, when you actually test positive, you really shouldn't go out, should you? So um, anybody who you know tests positive and is considered you know, um, you know, it, you know, it is is a confirmed case is considered an isolation. That person is not to go out. Nor are the contacts, like you, as you know and probably remember, are really not supposed to go out for their 14 day quarantine period either. Um, and um, so, you know, my, you know, two twenty something year old daughters had actually come home. Um, and my um, significant other is here, and so everybody here, we, we've had quite a long quarantine because um, others have developed symptoms, and then that kind of restarts the whole thing for the process. So, um, so yeah, it's really a matter of, of, of you know, you know, we relied on friends and family who brought us um, groceries and helped run some errands for us. Um, a lot of people brought food, um, and we just really tried to hunker down here for a few weeks and just to protect. Um, protect others. You know, as you can probably, um, you know, understand, you know, once I tested positive and had to, you know, sort of be honest with public health about who I was in close contact with, which included you, of course, my fear is that somebody is going to contract this and become very, very ill. So I, you know, you know, that makes me doubly more sure that I'm going to do the right thing with my family to try to stop the spread. Yeah, my uh, my primary care physician they didn't they didn't want to see me at all. I didn't have any symptoms, but they they uh, yeah. uh, by the time they they called me back, uh, they'd been on the phone for uh, uh, two solid hours uh, uh, contacting people that have been exposed. Now, um, and you don't have to tell me, but uh, was was were the uh, symptoms that you have? Did you keep them to yourself when you've been uh, quarantined, or did other folks in the house come down with stuff? Um, we had some uh, some others in the household who did become who you know who did become symptomatic. But again, not everybody gets tested. You know, it was kind of a you know they're presumed, um, but very mild, very very mild. Um, all right. So, so yeah, so the the yeah. symptoms change from person to person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, we had certainly had some common overlap in symptoms. But um, yeah, some some did have others. Uh, fatigue is another one. Um, that's been another symptom that a lot of people have complained of. That wasn't one that I had a lot of issues with, but um, others in my family did, and and we're hearing a lot about that too. That sometimes people just have fatigue and maybe that loss of taste or smell. It does come back, unfortunately, because now I'm eating like a horse again. But <laughs> oh well. So, so you're picking up the the Oreos that you weren't eating before, then, huh? Yeah, or the Easter candy, right? Oh, so, gee, I forgot yeah. about that. Cadbury eggs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, the uh, the Haverhill Board of Health yesterday, um, they I guess uh, approved uh, an executive order. The uh, the mayor uh, is going to be putting it out. They. They're strongly encouraging people to wear the masks and to uh, have stores, you know, limit how many people can go into the store. It, uh, your opinion on the, on the masks, is that a, a good thing? 
you know, there's there there's no um, there there's nothing bad about it. Um, so if it helps, um, you know, and it, and it, it keeps one person or two people or a hundred people from being infected, I think it's a really important thing, um, even across the school department. Um, you know, as we are, you know, inviting teachers to come in at various scheduled times in the schools to pick up supplies, maybe they need something in their classroom as they're working uh, to provide remote learning to their students, um, they're being instructed to come in with face covering. Uh, we want to certainly protect our custodial staff and our food service staff and others who are keeping the lights on, so to speak, um, particularly at our food sites. So um, we're asking that everybody sort of do their part here. Um, there's a group of people um, in the district that are starting an initiative to make cloth masks, um, to be providing them, um, you know, either to other teachers or staff in the district who maybe don't have a mask um, so that they would be available and then certainly to donate them as well. So we're just kind of getting that listed off, uh, you know, up and running. Um, but I think a lot of people just want to do something and um, the sewing's therapeutic. Um, I know we've been making some here out of some fun thing, uh, fun cloths. So, um, I, you know, I do think that there is a, you know, there are some downsides that as a society we have to address with the, the wearing of masks. Um, it can be very scary for children, and I think, uh, you know, families need to really, you know, try to include children in the process um, and have them, you know, get comfortable with their own mask and understand that when you take the mask off, somebody's still smiling because um, facial expression is so important, especially for children, but really for everyone. Um, I can tell you that my dogs bark when I approach my own car and I have a face mask on um, because it's just they can't they can't judge what 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 that it's me or what I, what my mood is. So it's very, very interesting. So important that we wear it. I think the mayor's doing the right thing. Um, and again, the schools will comply as well. Um, but you know, again, I think we need to, you know, also just be sure that um, you know, for those who misunderstand the masks, um, that you know, there's good education uh, out there, and, and that again, we take it slowly with children. And that's what you are are doing too. You know, as you uh, as you and all your, the nurses are uh, in touch with students, just to to make sure that that they understand that the students understand what's going on, especially the younger ones, right? Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, they're having, you know, the students, I had a really long conversation with a mom of a first grader yesterday. um, And, you know, she talked about, you know, how hard it is for him to understand uh, why he can't see his friends, why he can't go back to school. And, you know, he's a child who, you know, has a very, is having a very difficult time, you know, doing online kind of learning. It's not the way he learns his best. Um, so there's a lot of challenges, and then then you talk about things like masks. It's funny because the mother and I talked about that as well. And um, you know, have you know, he's a child with health conditions, so he's less he has had more exposure to that through the healthcare system. Um, but still, it's 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 you know, it, it's hard for kids. So um, and then I'll just say the reminder that you know we are not supposed to mask kids under two has been the CDC guideline. Um, so I think you know people need to really be careful about taking small children out at all. Uh, they should really, you know, best if you can keep them at home. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Is you know, as I, I walk my dog and and I see uh, you know parents out there, they're pushing around baby carriages and stuff like that. That's uh, that's got to be a tough decision, I would think. Yeah, I think that we're we're all sort of adjusting now to this uh, this you know sort of 
you know, in the past week or two, the sort of push for people to wear masks and what that means. And I think, you know, some early interpretation was, oh, if I go somewhere where I'm in closer contact with other people, the grocery store, the pharmacy, uh, you know, the post office, I should wear a mask. But if I'm still out in general public, you know, I'm walking around my block and I'm not near anybody, I don't need to wear a mask. And I think that's, you know, this is this is now the transition that we're in here, um, that we're in is, is trying to get people just to wear them at all times when they're out in public. Um, so if you're on your own property and you're taking a walk, that's different. But if you're going to walk around the city park um, with your baby in the stroller, um, you, know, you should be masked um, and, uh, and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's, again, that's an adjustment for people right now. Now I know it's it's not your call, but uh, uh, I know the uh, folks are trying to talk about opening up the economy, getting uh, things uh, going once again. Uh, do you think it might be a little early for that? Um, you know, I don't. You know, if, as I listen to Governor Baker and <clears throat> Marty Walsh, it doesn't sound like we're quite there yet in terms of surge. But there are people who this is much more their their strengths and mine. So um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to proceed with caution. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I hope that we just do this slowly and systematically. Um, I, I appreciate the effort of the state governors um, kind of in the Northeast here sort of joining together to sort of have a coordinated effort. I think that that's really helpful to rely on each other and, um, you know, to, you know, put a bunch of you know great minds together to sort of uh, think about what will be good for our area of the country. All right. And uh, one final question. Uh, As far as the, uh, we have a story today about, uh, to remind folks that kindergarten registration is still going on. Um, Anything special that uh, parents of of kids who are kindergarten age, anything that they should know? So, um, that's great that you're doing that you're doing a story on kindergarten registration. Um, I work very closely with Andrea Sheehan, and we do have a registration nurse as well, Pat Bombard. Um, so we're all working really closely in this process. Um, we really are encouraging families to go ahead and uh, you know call our registration line, make a time for a phone appointment, and then you know the the uh, registration uh, clerks will help you know facilitate paperwork. And those kinds of things. And then also you'll then get a call back from um, Pat Bombard, the registration nurse. Uh, so we're you know, trying to come up with mechanisms for people to be able to scan and email in information um, so that we can you know, complete registration packets. Um, clearly, if everybody waits till August 1st, you can imagine what a rush that would be and, and how difficult that is to accommodate everybody. Um, the other thing to consider and to, um, that's probably important for listeners to know and understand is the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a recommendation for primary care physicians and family physicians to certainly to continue well visits um, for all young children under the age of two to assure that their vaccine schedule stayed on, uh, stayed on schedule. But that for many well-child visits right now for children over age two, those are being postponed, um, which means that their vaccine schedules will be extended or changed. And so as school nurses across the state and across the country will be needing to work with families to try to get them caught up on those vaccines. And I, you know, I have spoken with some physician groups about this 
you know, about whether they will hold uh, immunization clinics this summer just to get the families through to get their immunizations up to date. Um, so they're thinking about that as well. And, uh, you know, we also, uh, in the schools, um, their children need some seventh grade immunizations, some updated immunizations, including the Tdap, the tetanus vaccine, a pertussis booster. Um, so children need that going into seventh grade. And new this year, children going into seventh and tenth grade need the meningococcal vaccine. That's brand new. Um, so this will be the first year that the MZ, it's called MCV4. Those are the four strains of the uh, meningitis uh, that are, are covered in this vaccine, which are some of the most common kinds. So we are, again, as a school nursing team in Haverhill right now, sort of looking to see who do we already have this on and now starting to work with families so that they at least know that we'll be looking for it and as they're thinking about their summer and planning to try to plan out some appointments maybe later in the summer as things open up to assure that their children receive those vaccines. The work is never done. <laughs> yep, we're, yeah, you know, we're all figuring out how to do all this remotely. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, very proud of the nursing team in Haverhill. Um, they're, they've, you know, they're doing, uh, they're cranking out tremendous amount of work and really trying to do the best thing for the children in Haverhill and also, again, to support Mary Connolly and the Board of Health. Um, I have, let's see, six nurses um, supporting her there as well. So, um, you know, we really appreciate being, you know, having her and being part of her team and you know, trying to get Haverhill through this very difficult time. All right. Well, Katie, I want to thank you for joining us. We'll get you back again because uh, it sounds like it's going to be a continuing story. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Well, thank you. Uh, good to talk with you, and uh, be well, Wynn. Wake up with Wynn Damon weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on 97.9 FM WHAV.